We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, bringing the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. As always, I'm Dan Hilton, joined by Frances Tomas with eight hours in between us. We're bringing you the Barcelona Podcast, episode number 48. Of course, if you haven't done so yet or are just listening to the pod for the first time, welcome, as I said, to the Barcelona Podcast. Please help us out by subscribing on iTunes, whether you're in the UK, in Nigeria, of course, in the US of A, or anywhere across the world. No matter what your iTunes store is, those all really, really help. So just head on the iTunes store, type in the Barcelona Podcast, and give us either five stars or a nice little review or both. You can also do that on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or anywhere else. So let's get right into this show, Frances. We have so much to talk about. Unfortunately, we don't have an interview, but that means that everyone's going to have to just hear about you and I for a while. Yeah, which is so boring, isn't it? They've only been doing that for 48 episodes. In the Barcelona Podcast 48, we're going to start with La Pregunta, which is which players should Barcelona buy and sell in the winter transfer window? After that, we're going to move on to La Tabla, Dan's going to sort of talk us through the latest results and standings. Obviously, Barca, first team, men's first team, didn't necessarily play this weekend because of the international break. But Barca B and Barca Femini were in action, so we're going to talk about that. And then, because there wasn't any Bolsa, because Barca men's team didn't really play, as we just said, we're going to move on to El Kiosco. And we're going to look at the latest stories making the headlines in the Catalan media. And finally, we're going to go to a favorite place, favorite spot, favorite part of the show, which is La Ronda, a quick fire round of listener questions. The Barcelona Podcast 48 starts right here. We start with La Gran Pregunta. And of all the big questions that we have asked every week, Frances, I think this one is the biggest so far that we have gotten. And the one that we consistently get in La Ronda as well every single week. The big question we're trying to answer today is who should Barca sign and sell this winter transfer window? So to keep everything organized and to keep our brains kind of working, we're going to be throwing a lot of names out there, and it's going to be a lot of names you've heard before, and there might be some new ones as well, so we'll try to give some brief profiles on some of those new players. Nevertheless, let's start with those leaving, and before we even do that, I do want to also 
give credit to uh, one of the English-speaking Barcelona followers as well, and creators, should I say, as well, on YouTube. It's Talk FCB, and he has a number of good videos on this kind of topic as well. But you want to hear it from us, you want to hear our opinion, so let's get into it, starting with the potential players that are leaving, and there's six of them. And let me just read them down real quick, Frances, and we'll touch on the big picture as to what the departure of potentially all six of these could mean for the club. That is Thomas Vermelian, Alex Vidal, Andre Gomez, Denis Suarez, Arda Taran, and Paco Akather. Yeah, that, that's technically it. I mean, listen, they haven't really had an impact or not having had the impact that we are expecting them to have. So unfortunately, they're going to have to make do and, and, and make way for the others. I think that because Barca are not as strong as economically as they have been in the past, there is no question that the club's going to have to sell players in order to be able to afford new ones coming on. And um, the six players that you mentioned, they really haven't been at the standard uh, for whatever reason. You can argue, for example, in Dennis's case, he hasn't been given that much playing time. But then again, why are we going to keep a player in the squad that doesn't necessarily, necessarily play very much? And the coach is not necessarily trusting. So I think that because obviously everyone's salary contributes to the wage bill, um, it is important that if we've got players who are not going to be regulars, they come out of La Masia and uh, the, the, the balance and the books are balanced that way. Um, I really do think that it is time for people to move on if they're not really cutting it. And we're going to talk about five of the six of these in El Kiasco with the one that we're not going to touch on being Andres Gomes. And the one thing that stands out to me about him, he's the 24-year-old, of course, that's had some time, been playing on the wing. This season really hasn't played in his natural position, which is more of an attacking midfield position, because as we have talked about time and time again on many shows, and I implore you to go back to previous shows where we've really got into the nitty-gritty about him tactically, is that he just as an attacking midfielder, isn't what Barcelona needs. He just doesn't have that mold to be Barcelona's forward-thinking midfielder. And having cost $35 million plus incentives, he's got the highest resale value as well. So if Barcelona are going to cash in on any of these six guys, the one who's going to bring the biggest return is going to be Gomez. So, But yet, in the same respect, for that very reason, he's the one guy of the six of them that seems to not really be linked with many stories currently, as we're going to breakdown in El Kiosco. So the one way I want to transition this before we get to outside names is mentioning that one of the big things that I want to happen through the winter transfer window and during that break is that you see Jose Arnaith and Carlos Alenia practice a lot more. They've been practicing with the A-team a lot, but now start to make the bench and feature, particularly if any of those six are sold off. I think we're getting to the point now midway through the year that, and we'll talk about this in La Tabla as I continue to foreshadow future parts of the show, that this is the time of the year now when you'd think that players from the juvenile A level and not just Abel Ruiz, who played in last week's match with Barca B and who's been B, who's been with the Barca B team basically all season, and as well has the left back in Juan Miranda. Those two teenagers have been with Barca B for most of the year, so not just those two. But you have other guys who you'd think that would be stepping up from that level to Barca B to allow Alenia and Arnaith to be able to make the bench for Barca B. And those players include Sergio Gomez, who starred with Ruiz at the U-17 World Cup. And now, obviously, I don't want to overhype a few 18-year-olds, but there are three 18-year-old midfielders, all three Spaniards, in Manchu, Alas Callardo, and Ricard Puig, who have all played in the U19 UEFA Youth League right now. They're playing for 
the the juvenile level, and they're all promising center midfielders. And you think that they're the next ones in line. Again, we don't want to overhype them, but they could potentially be getting some more minutes with Barcelona B as they've gotten comfortable to the next level. And you continue to try to push them and push them and see how far they can go. Again, we're not giving them their first team debuts at set at 18 years old, but maybe they can play Barca B and that'll allow that transition as you work up through the system. So I think my biggest goal for the team in terms of not bringing anybody in is to make sure that Elena and Arneith are, are getting more into the, into the club as we head into the spring. Of course, and it's all about trusting the youngsters. You know, they they earn it on the pitch, with these, whether it's in Barca B, whether it's in training, they have to be given a chance at first team level. Um, there are people in the first squad, for example, Arda Turan, who have done nothing to add of quality this year. And if you push it, not really at the end of last season either. So those players that are getting huge amounts of money in terms of wage have to make way for the youngsters and. As you are, I'm delighted that Alanya and Arnaith are, are getting more, not necessarily playing time yet, but are getting to train with Messi, Suarez, etc. In terms of Turan, um, I am very pleased to say that Galatasaray seem to have, have taken a step forward um, to attract him to, back to Turkey. Uh, apparently, they're looking for a sponsor because, wait for it, um, the midfielder Arda Turan gets 8 million euros. 8 million euros in terms of wage every year at Barca and he's not playing at all. So uh, obviously that's that's draining our finances. So not even the Turkish side can afford it. They're trying to look for a sponsor who can bring the national hero um, of, of previous years because, you know, let's face it, Turkish fans have also been very critical of Turan when he's played for the national team. But uh, they're trying to make him come back to this country in order to retire in there and in order to sort of go back to his best playing with players of, let's face it, his current level. Yeah, and as negative as that is, that's maybe something that Barcelona needs to certainly look into. That Again, his, his wage bills, and that's a big picture that I want to mention, that we'll talk about all of these guys. And I think, again, perfect transition, Frances, where two of the players that we're going to talk to at the start of this next segment, which is potential players who are not at the club being transferred in in January or potentially even the summer. The guys at the top of that list, of course, we mention them every single week in Philippe Coutinho. And then our previous show, he was the big question himself, Antoine Griezmann. Those guys, as you had talked about, and you kind of won me over on it in that if Barcelona go for anybody in January, look towards the youth in the summertime. But if in January, it's got to be guys who are going to step into the starting lineup and change what Barcelona are doing. They have to be true game changers. So that's why Griezmann and Coutinho are the first two guys we bring up. The big problem with these guys isn't necessarily even the transfer numbers that are seemingly egregious with 100 million, 120, 150 potentially, or Liverpool just continuing to build numbers up because they don't want to sell Coutinho. The big, big issue is those weekly wages. That's truly, now Barcelona's not in a, not in a spot to, to be gutted like or liquidated in ways we've seen other clubs be having issues with those kind of high wages. But you look across the world, and particularly in the Premier League, I remember back a few years ago when QPR got promoted, they had some huge financial backing and people, of course, would, you know, will whisper and say maybe some oil money. And so that boosted QPR's finances when they hit the Premier League. So they bought all these big players with big transfer numbers and big wages. And when they were relegated, 
it wasn't necessarily the fact that they had paid those transfer numbers. It was the weekly wages that those players were owed that the team on a week-to-week and month-to-month basis just cannot cover. So getting rid of a Tehran, even if it's for $2 million, getting his wages off your books from week to week somehow is more important than having to pay $5 million extra for a player with an incentive or what have you. And I think that's a big point that when you talk about Coutinho and Griezmann, you have to be losing not only players to bring in that transfer number, but you have to be bringing or clearing up weekly wage space. Oh, exactly. And also we need to remember as well that, um, say, five, ten years ago in La Liga, between Real Madrid and Barcelona, they had a huge percentage of the TV rights money. I think it was around 75 to 80% of it. Now, in the last couple of years, that has changed. And although Barcelona and Madrid start, still have the largest slice of the pie, I believe it to be around 60 to 65% now, um, they are not getting the same amount of money they were getting before um, relative to the others. So although Barca and Madrid haven't necessarily lost economical muscle, it is to be understood that other teams such as Atletico, Sevilla, but then the lesser team in, on the table such as, I don't know, Leganes, etc., they are coming up in terms of finances as well. So it is really important to know that uh, no teams in La Liga, and that includes Barca and Madrid, can sustain, sustain someone getting paid 8 million euros for, let's face it, doing next to nothing. Um, as you were talking about Coutinho earlier, I think the Coutinho story hasn't gone away for the last five, six months. And obviously, as the winter transfer window pops along nicely, it's, it's only natural that it's going to be mentioned again. Now, this week, however, it has been mentioned in different media, including the Madrid-based media, which doesn't necessarily cover Barca in this depth sometimes. Um, they've been talking about um, Coutinho being rumoured to go back to Barca again. Um, they are arguing that Coutinho is um, arguing with his manager, Jurgen Klopp, in order to um, come to the Camp Nou. And, you know, although this report could have come from any media, I think it's quite significant to say that it is the Madrid-based media who are actually pushing this story forward. Um, undoubtedly, he would add quality not just to Barca, but La Liga overall. And uh, he's a player who can get, change games. Um, obviously, having him learning alongside Iniesta would be better than if he came, say, next season, uh, when Iniesta may have declined even more. Um, not saying that Iniesta is in huge decline, but obviously he's not the player that he was two, three years ago because uh, father time cannot really be defeated. But I really do think that, as and we said about this in the previous podcast as well, if you are going to sign players and you are going to invest heavily, then you need to go for people who will be starters. And going back to what we said about Turan, when Arda Turan was signed, he was actually meant to be a starter, someone pushing Iniesta out of the, of the team. And we all know that that didn't necessarily happen. But in terms of wage, the 8 million euros that Turan is getting should be going to someone who actually deserves them. Yeah, certainly. And those two, Coutinho and Griezmann, you want to move on for those two? Because I said, for those two, I think we can always direct. You can go right on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever, and just look down the page, even the website, the Barcelona podcast, and just look through the shows. And we've got Griezmann and Coutinho right on the front cover of a lot of different podcasts where we talk about those players in depth. So you want to move on from those two? Yeah, I just want to read one of the quotes that Coutinho did say this week. He said, I'm playing one of the biggest leagues in the world. I'm always happy, but now it's essential to concentrate on my national team. At the moment, I'm very happy with my life. 
please know he did not mention I'm playing in one of the biggest clubs in the world in Liverpool. He just said about the league. So I think that's quite telling as well. But as I'm saying, this story is not really going to go away. I mean, our big question is who should Barca sign this winter? I would say either Griezmann or Coutinho would be a good signing. But I'm not necessarily sure that unless players come out of the squad and the wage bill actually goes down, I don't think either one of those is going to be possible. Well, we had also talked about last week that Griezmann is going to be way more expensive in January than he will be in the summer when his release clause comes down to $100 million. So Griezmann has to come in the summer. It would be irresponsible to sign him in January. So Coutinho is the one that you're going to hear more and more and more and more in the next few weeks before the January winter transfer window. Two other big, big names to mention before we get off on the, the huge wages and the huge numbers. Paulo Dybala, of course, those rumors are more that won't die, and we've done full shows on him. And then the one that I want to do focus on here is apparently Thiago Alcantara has said a few things at his club at Bayern Munich that make you think that he has his... He's just keeping his options open, we'll say, is that he doesn't want to necessarily commit to being at Bayern Munich forever. And so that's led to, of course, speculation that, oh, of course, he wants to come home to Barcelona. And so that's what you're kind of hearing about that. And whenever anyone says what kind of player would fit perfectly at Barca and who do Barcelona need, you and I have mentioned Isco in the past, but who's exactly like Isco, Thiago Alcantara? Yeah, yeah, but um, I don't know. Um, Maybe I'm being a bit difficult here, but Thiago chose to leave, didn't he? Um, He obviously had Cesc Fabregas, Xavi and Iniesta in front of him at the time. But um, as soon as Guardiola left, he decided to exercise his 25 million euro release clause in order to leave to to Germany. Um, He could have not done that. And that was out of choice. He just went and played with Guardiola in Germany, which, you know, it is a choice that he made. But I think, and this is the same thing that happened with Fabregas. Um, I, I don't think I'm speaking just for myself. I think there's quite a good number of people in Catalonia who would not see would not see a move for Thiago Alcantara for huge amounts of money um, as a good idea, simply because players who leave Barca out of their own choice, and this is what happened with Thiago, um, you know, listen, we don't really quite understand why players would want to leave Barca. And uh, if they have chosen to leave, then it's really hard for us to understand that we should be paying more than what we got for them leaving in order to get them back. And that is something that Fabregas never and still to this day ne- hasn't been able to to get away from. When he returned to the Camp no, everyone was looking to him as a saviour or someone who should have been a saviour, but then it was very apparent from the start in his return that he was not going to be, and in the, in the end there was run run, which is, um, you know, disagreements in terms of the stance towards the player and the sort of ongoing complaints whenever he touched the ball, and I think that's because of the fact that he left us in the first place. So, although... I cannot deny that Thiago is a fantastic player and obviously he's doing great things for Germany and the Spanish national team. I don't know if he will be, he will be hugely welcome at the Camp No, or, or, or even. Imagine he returns and as is quite possibly going to happen if he does return, he gets injured for six, seven, eight months straight away. It happens to him several thousand times, has happened to Rafinha plenty of times as well. Then what are the people at the Camp No going to say? Um, I'm sorry if I'm just being difficult here, but I cannot really get behind that idea of Thiago coming back simply because of the price that we will have to pay for him and also the fact that, you know, depending on which way the wind blows, he does get injured quite often, doesn't he? 
Well, that's where I do agree with you on the fact that he is injury prone and he has missed a ton of games at Bayern Munich in the past and he had missed a few games at Barcelona as well. And, you know, we have spoken about this and I think this is one of those where you and I throughout the past few months always seem to agree to disagree and that's where it is and that I think I'm a little more forgiving and I try to empathize with the players in that you're right, sometimes players leave because they think they're better than a club or they think that they should be the guy to be focused on and I think that happens a lot of time with strikers in particular where if they're not the focus they're going to pout and then they want to leave but I think in this case with a guy like Tiago I mean obviously he's behind Xavi and Iniesta so the way I see it with him is that to be the best player he could be and my thinking too is that if he had stayed at Barcelona behind those two and never really was able to realize that potential because of all those years in his early 20s that he wasn't gaining the playing time that might have helped him become the player he is and also new experience can also help players develop as well so my thinking is that if he returns to Barca he could potentially be coming back as a better player than he would have been even if he had stayed that whole time you know and this happens a lot in the U.S. where so many times there, there is this contradiction between saying well, you know, you want these U.S. players to want to play at home, want to play in the U.S., want to play in the MLS. But so many times, if a player isn't get, getting playing time for their team or isn't getting that proper development, sometimes going away, and obviously Bayern Munich is not a lower club than Barcelona. It's, it's, right on, it's right in that top tier, one of the top five biggest clubs in the world. But yet he had a spot there where he was going to get consistent playing time. And when he is healthy, he's an automatic starter there in a place that, again, where he would have maybe had to wait, what, another two years or so to potentially pay for Barcelona. And let's say when he's playing for Barca, he gets hurt. Now he doesn't have a spot back in the, in, in the club, in the squad. So I've always been of the mind that I think there's different kind of ways that player, players leave, and sometimes players leave unceremoniously. And I think for a guy who just wants to leave to play, I don't blame them. And I understand what you're saying about having Barca in your heart and only wanting to ever play for that club like Mark Bartra did. And in the same way that Mark Bartra was finally forced to kind of get out of the club to become a starter. And so we don't blame Mark Bartra for leaving. I think Alcantara just did it earlier. And I think Alcantara would have a place. Again, he'd get booed. And I agree with you. I know a lot of people are going to hate it. That's why you, even you and I, the Barcelona podcast is divided 50-50 on this issue. So I think there's no easy solution to it. Yeah, well, we yes. I mean, I don't know. I think that Busquets didn't leave. He had Yaya Dure in front of him. And arguably, Yaya Dure was a thousand times the player that Busquets was when Busquets was 19. But he stuck it through and now he's the best, arguably the best holding midfielder there is. Andres Iniesta had Deco and Ronaldinho in front of him, but he stuck it. And look at him now. Um, Sergio Roberto, for example, has decided not to leave and he could become a fantastic player as well, learning from the best. But um, yeah, I do, I do understand why people uh, at Thiago's age, when he left us, uh, would have done that. I just don't share it. I think if you love Barca enough and you listen to the stories of Xavi, Puyol, players that have stayed for the whole careers and had an impact, then I think it's a no-brainer, but obviously everyone's different. And yes, we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one. Well, yeah, because then I would respond to that with that Puyol, Busquets, and Iniesta, those three names that you mentioned are honestly, and this is, you know, we're biased because we, you know, this is a club that we follow, this is a club we love, but those are three of the best to ever play their positions. I mean, those are three of the maybe, you know, top, I'm talking even including Puyol on that. These are top 10, 15, 20 
guys ever at their position. So I, I think it's it says a lot more about them than it does about a player like Tiago. Because even if Tiago had stayed, that means Sergio Roberto had no place at the club. You know, maybe he would have got some right back spots. But if Tiago is taking over the minutes that Roberto had had, then Roberto would be the one out. So I think either way, someone always had to leave. There was always never going to be enough minutes to go around when you have... Again, like I said, to try to compare Iniesta and Deco, I think is unfair. Iniesta is a top... He's the greatest Spanish midfielder that's ever lived. And so that's who you're competing with. And you're this younger 23-year-old Spanish midfielder. I just think it's... I think it's okay for a player to say, I'm not good enough to, to compete with Iniesta. I think I would say it. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Okay. We, we, we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's move on to... I guess we'll say the next level of players, that next tier of guys that might not necessarily be starters but are consistently getting linked with the club. That is Ander Herrera, who has been linked now for about a year, but with that athletic Bilbao connection, of course, Valverde knows him very well. He's been in and out of Jose Mourinho's Manchester United squad, and you know you don't know what kind of faith Mourinho has in him, but Mourinho also does crazy things, and so he could become the, the most important player to Man U next week. So that's always what happens at Man U. But Herrera has come out and said that while he is an ideal target for Barca, that he's happy at Man United, so he kind of just wants to squell those rumors. But you see the connection there. The other midfielder, Leon Goretzka of Schalke, is out of contract, and that's another guy we've talked about in previous shows. New hitch in that story is that while he has reportedly said that he is almost 90% sure he's going to Bayern or Barca, last week the German general manager, Oliver Bierhoff, said that he pretty much was set to go to the Premier League. So those statements have kind of changed things around. And then you and I have also questioned, the guy has a 76% passing rating. Is that really going to be the kind of midfield that's going to fit in Barca, or are we going to have an Andre Gomez 2.0? So those are some options on the next tier down. Any other players you also want to mention? I think Nabil Fakir from Lyon, his name popped up this week, another attacking midfielder. So you kind of get to the gist here. Yes. Also, I want to go a little bit more defensive then. Um, as regular listeners of the podcast have heard in previous episodes, um, we've been talking about Jerry Mina for quite a while as the Colombia centre-back, uh, 190 centimetres tall, which basically is a tower of a guy, um, incredibly strong as well. Um, it was pretty much agreed that he was going to come in the winter transfer window, but apparently the latest thought, and this comes all from Valverde, is that he actually wants to stick to what he has which is Piquet and Untiti as starters. Mascherano has been doing really well so far. He's been, uh, you know, in a trading up section of La Bolsa quite a while. I think it's two, two consecutive weeks he's been. And um, Valverde is very happy with that. And apparently he thinks that Vermaelen could last the season. Um, I don't know. Uh, he obviously hasn't gotten injured yet. Um, and this, you know, we're recording on Wednesday, so maybe by the time you hear it, he's, the guy's destroyed his leg again. But um, it seems that he's healthy, and Valverde seems to trust him for the remainder of the season. But um, yeah, so we're probably going to have Mascherano and Fermalen both leaving in the summer. Really, I mean, Fermalen, I've spoken about many times. I think, you know, the guy's just not fit, fit and healthy enough to, to last. Uh, and to meet the demands of a team like Barca. But with Mascherano, he's been legendary for us. He's been incredible for a number of seasons. Got signed as a midfielder, but pretty much has played as a, as a central defender throughout his whole Barca career. He's been outstanding. He's got a huge amount of appearances. He's a fan favorite. Fans love him. But obviously, father time, um, just it, it defeats everyone, doesn't it? 
Um, also, I read an interview from Argentina this week. Uh, Mascherano was talking to, I think it was Ole in Argentina, the international newspaper, sports newspaper. And he was saying that he's changed his mindset. He was saying that, and it was something very telling as well. He said that over the last 20 years, he's been playing football, but he hasn't necessarily enjoyed it as much as he should be. Um, he was talking a little bit in the past tense also as well, saying that this season I'm taking things slightly differently. And uh, he said that obviously I haven't been playing as much as I used to. So when I do play, I appreciate it in a slightly different way. And I've got more time to be analytical and, and enjoy life, which is not very Mascherano-like, is it? So um, I think that in his interview as well, he said he wasn't sure that he would be at Barca next season. I think in someone or someone with his personality, his caliber and his attitude, I think that he's probably eyeing a, a move elsewhere. Um, the belief is that he's going to be heading over to the MLS. Um, any other clubs up there uh, would be, you know, would be blessed to have Mascherano with them because he's the consummate professional. But um, also he's been linked to Juventus in Italy and other teams such as Napoli as well seem to be behind him. But um, I think that because of Fermalen and Mascherano's more than likely departure in the summer, um, there's been a lot of talk in terms of, yes, Yuri Mina joining us in the summer instead, because of what I said about Valverde, but also Matis De Ligt from Ajax, obviously only 18 years old now, uh, but apparently a Barca priority. He is he's very used to playing attacking football, obviously coming through the ranks at Ajax does have that, and his style is just right for what Barca needs, and he's already made his international debut. And that is someone that at just 18 years old is seen like a long-term replacement for Piquet. I'm not really sure about that, but that's that's what the Catalan media are reporting. But I think that having someone with that much potential, with that background, would be a, a great help. There are other players, uh, defensive centre-backs and, and even holding midfielders as well, that have been mentioned. But I think the one that has been attracting the most attention from Catalan and international media is the Licht. So I think that's, that's where I'm going to leave it today. Yeah, and of course, that's what they're saying today. And in this time that comes before the winter transfer window, I just again have a, just a list of guys where last week the guy was the RB Leipzig center back, the French teenager in Dayut Apamecano. And last week we'd also talked about Timo Werner, which I'm still behind. And then there's Sevilla, 22-year-old French center back, Clement Langlet, who would cost around $30 million. So again, I'm going to stick by the point that as I run through these final names that those younger guys, I don't expect them to be trans January transfer windows because during the January transfer, and of course over the summer, we saw those numbers become astronomical. January is when they tend to be even higher because clubs are buying exactly what they need. And so there is more of a supply and demand. So other than those two, you've got two other teenagers that before we transition, I'll make mention to, and that 17-year-old Ferran Torres from Valencia, valued around $35 million by the club. He keeps popping up, and Robert Fernandez saw him play recently as well in Valencia, and so don't expect, I mean, don't be surprised if you keep seeing rumors of his name. Again, maybe not a Jan January transfer, or if he is bought in January, he's loaned back Valencia, then he officially comes to Barca in the summer. And the other one is another teenager, and that is PSG Academy product and attacking midfielder in Yassine Oddly, and he'll turn 18 in the summer 
and he'll be out of contract as well. So that's another one where he's out of contract, and just like Goretzka, that's the time to jump. And of course, Barca would love to put one over on PSG. So as far as the case of Torres or Adley or those teenagers, we'll talk about them when those rumors become a little more prevalent, and it seems like those are likely as opposed to just one-off story that if if only one news outlet reports something, I don't really give that much credibility to it. it. It's not something that is had a lot of backing. So I think we'll talk about those guys later. Frances, you want to move on? Yes, I think we should answer the question though. So who should Barca sign or sell in the winter? I would say in order, to, in terms of signing, it will have to be Coutinho if possible. Uh, Griezmann, as we said, should be one coming for the summer um, once the, the clause has gone back to 100 million. And in terms of selling, selling as many players out of the six you mentioned as possible. So um, Andre Gomez, Denis Suarez, Alcácer, um, Arda Turán, and I'm forgetting a couple. Yeah, Vermelian, Vidal, Gomes, Denise Suarez. Unfortunately, Tehran and Alcacer would be the six. But I uh, I mean, that's what it is, is that if Barca get anybody in January and that's what we're focused on, then it should be Coutinho. And again, Griezmann doesn't make sense because he's going to be double the price in January that he would be in the summer. So bring him in, in the summer, get Luis Suarez back in form for the spring. And if you can't splash for Griezmann and you need more goals, then don't sell Akathair. I, I don't know. I just think, yeah, it's got to be Coutinho or Bus, unfortunately. And I hate saying that. It just it takes a part out of me saying that. Yeah, but there we go. That's, that's what it is. Shall we move on to La Tabla? Yeah, let's quickly run through La Tabla. As I said, we, were, we ran long on the Grand Pregunta, so we're going to keep this show moving with La Tabla. Fortunately for us, that saves a little bit of time. The first team didn't play at all. The only update for first team players is while everyone has been playing international friendlies, that's of course Messi, the Spanish contingent, Ter Stegen playing against France with Umtiti and Digne. Even Rakitic, he was the guy to, to name. Him and Croatia made the World Cup by defeating Greece over two legs in a playoff qualifier. So Rakitic will join the rest of the teammates I just mentioned in the World Cup with Croatia. And there's also a piece on that on barcelblog.com so you can check that out and we get into a little more detail there and also we talked about it last week in the show so with the first team not having played they still sit atop the table four points ahead of Valencia and eight points over Real and Atletico Madrid's where we stand Barca B that'll be the focus that we want to talk about they were defeated by now top of the table Huesca 2-0 and that means they've fallen into 15th place but that's on goal differential only, tied with four other teams on 16 points. And they're still three points clear of the relegation zone, but again, also only about 10 points off the top of the table. They started basically their top 11 without Anthony Lozano, who is to be away with Honduras for the World Cup qualifiers. So the very capable Mark Cardona, who we saw debut last year with the first team, actually, he took his place up top as the number nine. But still, it seemed like the team in Huesca that is now leading the table, they're the team that wants to get promoted, and they just seem to outclass Barcelona B. So that's where they stand with Barcelona B. Now, you have something on Barcelona B, Frances? Yeah, I've got a couple of points here. Um, I've been doing a little bit of digging and and looking at the different um, Catalan media, and it has been reported that something that's really telling, that Barca B would actually be co-leading the table together with Granada if matches only lasted 45 minutes. Now, I know that this is quite an unusual t- statistic, so I'm going to say it again. Barca B will be leading the table if the games only had one half. Um, obviously, Barca B have not really won the last five games. Uh, that's four draws and one loss as well. And obviously, that means that 
the, the, the Blaugrana team has lost nine points in the second half. So naturally, that's 16 points now. And in the mini-study, they've only won two games out of the seven that they played this season. Um, during the first 45 minutes in games, they've scored 12 goals and only conceded five. But then after the, after the halftime break, that changes. And then Barca have only scored four and they've conceded 12. Now, why am I saying all of this? Well, that clearly has a message, which is that Barca B are finding football games really long, you know? Whether that's to do with their youth, whether that's to do with the, the fact that the other teams sort of pick up after the break, whether that's to do with Gerard Lopez not necessarily being able to mentalize his players strongly enough to last the whole game and, and, and close games up during the second half, um, I'm not too sure. Maybe it's down to immaturity as well. Um, I think it is quite telling and obviously... We have been looking at the top of the table with Barca B uh, throughout the whole season. But um, today, when you did La Tabla, you mentioned three points above the relegation zone. And I wouldn't necessarily want to be looking at that all the time. Obviously, the, the, the main point of Barca B is to give players playing time and give them confidence and a platform to grow. But we don't want relegation either. So I think that it was important to share those stats today to know that actually... Barca B would be absolutely fine if they were able to close games. Yeah, and speaking of a team that closes games, well, actually opens games and closes games and does everything in the middle, that's Barca Femini. They crushed the Madrid CFF squad 7-0. Barbara Latore scoring four goals and goals from the likely suspects in Leke Martins, Tony Dugan, and the informed Macedonian Natasa Andanova. This coming after a 6-0 thrashing of their Lithuanian opponent in the Champions League. So that means they stay level on points at 25 with Atletico Madrid. So while Barca Femini are really informed, just banging goals, still Atletico Madrid hot on their tails. I'm just delighted we beat Madrid 7-0. <laughs> I know it's not the real Madrid. I know it's like another team from Madrid. But if it has Madrid in the title... And we destroyed them 7-0. That is great. So well done to our Femini team. Very proud of you girls. Yeah, you could tell I was reading some different outlets that, again, didn't make the connection that it wasn't that Madrid. And so the negative words that we're using, you know, they kept saying rivals and things like that. And of course, it's not really a competition because they're not on the same playing field at this point, even though, of course, they're both in the same league. Again, the, the clubs are just different levels of talent. Anyway, let's how move... And how brilliant is that? How brilliant is that? You can say that Real Madrid are not in the same... It's not Real, is it? But you can say that Madrid are not in the same level as Barca. That's such a great sentence. I think that should be um, the, the catchline for our podcast from now on. Madrid are not at the same level as us. Deal with it. But then we have to put an asterisk and say that Atletico Madrid does have the same number of points as Barcelona. But we don't care that much about Atletico. Like, they're not really our rivals as such. All right. Well, let's care a little bit about El Kiasco, and we're going to pick up the pace even more Let's so we get to La Ronda and have plenty of time there. First, we got an update on Dembele injury, now set to return in January as the club doesn't want to rush him, so he'll be out for the Christmas time El Clasico because the club doesn't want to rush him. They He's never dealt with an injury like he has with the leg injury, so I think it would be a positive thing, and I think the club also has kind of been doing this. They said... They're going to bring him off the bench, slowly integrate him in January, and he won't even be expected to start a match until February. And hopefully, the whole point of this is that I think it'll be a breath of fresh air for the spring, that if they can integrate him and he's a player that, as we saw when they integrated him the first time, his skill set 
fits really well with the Messi's and Iniesta's and and who Barcelona is currently playing and working with that he'll be able to fit back in and if he can regain some form when it's time for those important matches to win the Liga, win the Champions League, it'd be a comfortable thing to have Dembele. And again, don't rush him. I say bring him back slow. Of course, I agree as well. I think that having Dembele healthy is much more important than having Dembele early. Um, if you look back at Leo Messi's career, obviously he's playing every single game and every single minute uh, for, for club and country at the moment. Guy being 30 years old is just exceptional. But if you go back to when he was around 19, 20, 21 years old, he was injured quite a bit. Um, I remember him crying um, coming off Champions League games in Chelsea and even missing the, the Champions League final, um, the one that Belletti scored in the final uh, against Arsenal. I don't think, I could be wrong here, but I don't think Messi played that game. Um, but anyway, he was always struggling with injuries and he was always rushing, trying to get back and, and he was becoming frustrated as a result and to the point that his career was at risk at one point because obviously if you keep getting recurrent injuries, then there could be some underlying problem in there. But all it was is being able to listen to your body. Now for better or worse, I was not exceptional, but I always played football for a quite a good level. Um, I had... How many years? 19 years playing football. Um, I retired a couple of years back when my first daughter was born, which I think is a good way to end, isn't it? But um, I got injured quite a bit and it was normally hamstring. Uh, it was a hamstring or, or twisting my ankle because they became quite weak. And it is all about listening to your body, being able to know if I do that right now, um, you know, I'm feeling it's quite cargado, meaning that there's been a lot of um, work going on in that area of your body. So if I do this particular move or if I attempt that tackle or if I jump that quickly or if I kick that, you know, um, things could happen and you learn to not being able to do that. Now, I'm not a professional. I was never a professional as such, but um, I do know that Leo Messi and a lot of other players are, have been able to extend their careers because they've been able to read those signs. And at the, in his early 20s, Dembele needs to start to do that. Obviously, he did cost a lot of money, so we don't necessarily want... A Gareth Bale, who's I think is in his 16th injury since he signed for Madrid. We don't really want that at all. So I think the coaching staff and the player himself and his teammates need to make sure that they are patient and that he understands the importance of taking care of himself on and off the pitch and while on the pitch, not sort of forcing too much unnecessarily too early. Well, a player that's listening to his body is currently playing in Qatar, and we know him well as Xavi. He'll be retiring from the Qatari club outside this summer, and he wants to move into coaching, getting his coaching license. So the big question is going to be, is it better for him to come back to Barca and work his way up through the youth ranks or start somewhere else at a higher level and then return back to Catalonia? Now, the one thing that also came out, and these things are not connected, but that made me kind of caught my attention, was Gabri, who recently left the Juvenile A team unceremoniously, we have to say, for FC Sion in Switzerland, said that the board wanted both wins and development. And this is a quote, coaching Barca B, it was never likely to happen. I think the club lost confidence in me when we were eliminated from the UEFA Youth League last season. My only chance to coach Barca B would have come if we had won the Youth League, although it shouldn't be like that. At a club like Barca, the focus should be on performance and development, not results. And so I think the second part of that question about Xavi is that if Xavi reads that and talks to his friend Gabri, do you think Xavi's a kind of guy that would get preferential treatment 
at Barca from the board because of who he is? And of course, I think the answer is yes. And so that the question then begs is, does that mean that he should come back to Barca right away? Or should maybe he try to figure something out somewhere else else, get better, and then come to Barca? Honestly, I don't know. But if I was him, I would not come back to Barca until the current board is out. Um, I think Xavi, given what he gave the club for so many years, you know, <laughs> over 20 years, wasn't it? Um, he could come back whenever. It doesn't matter who's in charge of the club. So if I was him, I wouldn't. I would start tri- trial and error. He's in Qatar right now. That's not to say he cannot coach the team that he sat in Qatar, isn't it? And then sort of grow that way and come back to Barca when he's got a favorable environment around and people he trusts. Obviously, Joan Laporta has got a great relationship with Xavi and Puyol and Ronaldinho, etc. Uh, but I'm not necessarily for one second saying that Laporta should come back. But do you know what I mean? Like the, the, the current board may not be the right situation for him to come back. And I don't think he should rush it at all. He needs to get experience. He could get that experience at Juvenila or at Barca B or whatever. But coming back to Barca right now in an environment that he doesn't necessarily believe in wouldn't do him any favor. So, and, and you know, having said all this, I think whatever Xavi does, it would be the right decision because the guy is incredibly smart. He knows his football and he's going to be a fantastic manager one day. And and do not for one second doubt he will coach Barca for sure in the next, I would say, six to eight years. All right. So as we continue El Kiosco, Manchi, Roma's sporting director, reportedly has an interest in Vidal having worked with him at Sevilla. Sevilla could also potentially loan him in January but can't buy him in January but could pay to bring him back in the summer, so that would seemingly be Vidal's way out. So that's the story reported there. Yeah, um, if they can pay the money for Vidal, then then they can have him. Uh, he's someone who I haven't really been very impressed with. Um, he's sort of in his first season under Luis Enrique, he started playing. Then his attitude reportedly changed in training, and you know he didn't necessarily show enough ambition, patience, and know-how in order to establish himself as a regular starter. Um, he sort of went towards playing more regularly for, I think it was three games um, around January, February last season. Then he got injured again and that was that was him done for the season in a way he was never able to, to come back and have an impact. And this season he started fairly well, Valverde did give him playing time, but he's just not able to cut the team and to make the team, sorry. So in that respect, if we can make some money back for him, then, then we should definitely do it. Um, obviously, going back to Sevilla would be a, a, a perfect fit for him. He was fantastic at Sevilla, but obviously Monchi was the, sp- the sporting director at Sevilla as well, and he's now moved to Italy. From a Barca perspective, I think he's a player that is not going to be ahead of Semedo. He's not going to be, and he shouldn't be, ahead of Sergio Roberto either. And in order, if, if what you want him for is to play as a winger, we've got other players who can do the job much better. So... Um, I would say let's save his wage and hopefully recoup some money from, from the investment we made on him a couple of seasons back. And whether he goes to Sevilla or Napoli, I, I don't really care as much. Well, Vermelian has gone so far as to admit that he made a mistake staying at Barcelona over the summer and that because Valverde had said that he had faith in him, that's kind of why he stayed. But he's the one exception of those six guys who could be leaving over the summer, over the winter, should I say, that needs to get playing time to 
make sure that he's definitely going to be selected for Belgium because if he is out of form, Belgium might need to look for other options, but he's still getting into those squads and he's still making appearances for Belgium. But I, again, I think there is that fear that let's say some up and comer really has a great spring. And now Vermeulen, because he was sitting, sitting on the Barca bench, gets forced out of the international scene, doesn't make the World Cup. Yeah, but has that changed over the last four or five months? Because I don't think it has. He hasn't... He has never really played for us. He's been here, I think, goes on three years now. He's never played more than two or three games consecutively. So for him to suddenly realize, oh, if I don't leave Barca, I'm not going to get playing time. Well, that's been obvious for the last three years. Um, I think that the board should have been more proactive in the summer um, in order to find him a way out. And if he didn't want to leave then, then they should have convinced him because really he's really not nothing valuable for the team that I can remember. And the last thing of El Kiasco, the one that kind of hurts my heart, Frances, Napoli, this is probably the strongest rumor of all the ones we've gone through. Napoli are reportedly very, very interested in Denis Suarez as they were over the summer. They want to have him pair with their other three members of their Spanish contingent in Jose Callejon, Raul Abiol, and Pepe Reina, of course. And we know Pepe Reina from years in Barcelona's academy. The thing about Napoli, not only do they play a 4-3-3, it's very similar style to what Barcelona play. And they don't have a number of a huge number of attacking midfielders, should we say. Of course, it's been the 30-year-old Slovakian attacking midfielder and Marik Hamšík, who's been the guy for their attacking midfield for so many years now. And now he's getting injured a little more than he used to. So I think if Denise Suarez says, should I go anywhere, it'd be a place where I already know the system, basically. At least, you know, a, a similar style, similar formation. And I also could potentially have a role to play and minutes to be gotten because there aren't a lot of midfielders like me. And so I think that just, I don't we I don't want to go down that rabbit hole right now about, about Denis Suarez and being a young talent. I don't want to do that. We can do that on future shows if he does leave. But uh, this is seemingly a, like a good fit if Denis Suarez does leave. For him, yes. I would say out of the six players that we mentioned could be leaving. And if we can re, sort of recoup the money for them, should be leaving this, this winter transfer window. I think Denis is the one that I would keep the most if that makes sense you know um, I think the other five should leave before him I think he could still be a decent player for Barca but I don't think he's going to be a superstar or a regular starter that that, that, we, that we need and as we said previously in the show um, if we can get some money back for him at this point then I think we should do it all right and that does El Kiasco as we change to La Ronda now we're gonna really make this quick fire questions I don't know how much I can reiterate the word fire on this so let's go. I'll mention it, Frances, the question, and you can just respond. Charlie Barca asks, with his lack of starts and similar treatment, would Valverde consider selling Nelson Semedo? Uh, no, I, I would say Semedo should be a Barca starter for the next 10 years. No, no, no. I think Semedo, you know, obviously he's got that, that stupid contract that we obviously paid $30 million to Benfica. Um, when he signed in the summer, but then for every 50 appearances he makes, we need to pay another 5 million, which I don't know which genius decided to <laughs> to agree to that contract. But anyway, I think Semedo has to stay, I think, for the next 10 years, undoubtedly. He's, he's, he's key, he's got potential, he's been adapted to the team, he's physical, his, his fitness is incredible. So no, he's someone we really, really need to keep. Here's another quick one from Charlie. He asks about Denise Forrest, and we talked about this plenty, but... Do you think there could be something else going on other than just that Valverde doesn't like the talent that Denis Suarez is? Could there be something else behind the scenes? But of course, my answer would be, we don't know that. I don't know. No, no, we don't know that. Um, I think that he's got a similar clause in his contract as the one that we just explained for Semedo um, in terms of Manchester City. But I think the, the amount is, is minimal if you compare it. 
Um, I don't think there's anything behind it. I think that obviously Delufeo um, seems to be winning the race for the starting spot um, at times because obviously Alcácer did well in the last game. But no, I don't think there's anything hidden behind. I think it all, all comes down to uh, manager choice in terms of fine-tuning and tweaking the formation and the fact that we don't always have three forwards anymore and when we do have them, Denis Suarez doesn't seem to be one of them. But I think it comes down to um, coach decision. Our Patreon, Blessed Guaybo. Ask the number of questions as he does, but the one I'm going to pick out, and thank you for all your questions always, Blessed Guaybo. Should we bring back Bartra? Would he be a reasonable option? And I would say, yeah, if he would want to come back. But again, I would want to see him as a starter, though, elsewhere. Yeah, and he would want to be a starter, wouldn't he? I think it's similar to what I said with Thiago earlier. I think players who leave, it's hard to see them coming back. But I think because of the terms in which he left, the fact that when whenever he played for Barca, he was the ultimate professional. Um, the fact that he did all he could in order to establish himself and he only left when there really wasn't a way forward for him here, then he would be accepted back by the, by the fans. And given the fact that he's been excelling in Germany, Borussia Dortmund, then yeah, he, he would be someone that I would welcome back. But as I said before, I, would, I think once the opportunity is gone, I don't know how successful you would be in coming back. But in terms of attitude, in terms of um, how fans would receive him locally... I think that it would be a definite yes. All right, four more questions. Chris Ataya asks, transfers you'd like Barca to make this upcoming transfer window? And, well, we pretty much spent the whole show saying that. So, I'll Chris, I'll direct you back to that first half of our episode where we basically said in January, the player that we both would want to see come to the club is Coutinho. He would just be the best option and the game changer. And there's a lot of young players like a a delete like a Werner that I would like to see in the summertime to reinforce the center defense and the forward line. But I think for now, Coutinho's the game changer there. And Luis Suarez just has to find his form up top. And that's the only option there, I think. Yep, I agree. All right. So Prudvi asks, apparently Javier Tabas has said that Messi signed a contract renewal, but isn't it bizarre the league president has announced it? Is that odd that he's getting involved, Frances? <laughs> it really is really weird. Um, we don't talk about it a lot. Um, TVPod.link forward slash 38 is the, the one show in which we got political and that we've decided not to get very political anymore. Um, I think there's a lot of weird things going on in the country right now. And the league, honestly, the league president saying that Messi has signed when no one from Barca has seen him or photographed him doing it and the club president hasn't done it. That is incredibly bizarre. He, I think he's trying to stir things up a little bit. But um, yeah, I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't know for certain. But everything is very strange. Kule for life. Uh, again, one of our, our, our regular subscribers as well. said, so do you see Barca remaining unbeaten going into the Christmas break? Quite a few tough matches ahead, but believe it's doable. And of course, that one culminates in that big El Clasico right before Christmas. Yeah, we could go unbeaten, but I think... As we said, I think we said around three or four episodes ago, I think the unbeaten run is not really that important. What is important is winning the title at the end. Um, obviously, I know why the question is coming. is because we've got so many tough matches ahead and it would be great to be unbeaten. But, you know, I would rather win a match and lose another one than draw two of them. Because obviously that's three against two points, isn't it? Yeah, that's a good point. And to finally finish it up, Rehan asks, should Barca target someone like Daniela Rugani, who plays at Juventus instead of Lenglet of Sevilla in January. And 
Francesca is an easy one for me. I'll take it. Is that Rugani? Of course, he's sitting behind all of those really good defenders, including Chiellini at uh, at, at Juventus and Barzagli. But Barzagli again is is in his mid to late thirties. I think he's thirty six now. And Italy is out of the World Cup, so I think Serie A is going to want to keep their their Ita- their young Italian talent even more so and keep them in Serie A. And for Rugani, if he left Juventus because he's not playing and he's not willing to wait till it's time to become a starter, then he's just coming to Barcelona to be behind Pique in and Umtiti. So I think that while Barca should would want to target Rugani as a probably a better talent, and I think he does have a higher ceiling that's kind of accepted around the world than Langlet. Langlet not only knows La Liga, but seems to fit the mold of what Barcelona look for as a cheaper center back backup option again also one who knows the league and that just seems to be the mo that barca seems to have with their transfer rumors of that ilk yep i agree again well done dan you're very good at answering questions thank you i, I let you ta- i let you handle most of la ronda and uh whenever i answer i want to make sure i have a little confidence but confidently now Frances, i can end the show and say thanks so much for listening i'm confident that we have wonderful listeners and want to thank everybody again for tuning in to this edition of the barcelona podcast Please help us out on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere. Five stars helps the show. Again, it helps get more and more listeners, and we love those questions. Keep bringing them in. So thanks for listening. Bring you the hottest breaking stories from the Camp New. This was the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. And for Barca. Forza. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.